0: This is Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, which is part of the Replicate Podcast Network. It is a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. Here is your host, Colin Wood. Today on the podcast, we continue with our character study of John, a wild man in the wilderness that we met last week. Today, We're talking about a wild man's message. Pastor, last week we were in Luke chapter 3 where we met John. We talked about why he was in the wilderness, why he was not in the temple, enjoying air conditioning and good food and uh, good clothes and why he had separated from that and and was in the wilderness. We we learned about the corruption of the priesthood and why he no longer wanted to be a part of that. He was neighbors with the Essenes, which also uh, made me wonder if John was an Essene, but that's probably a podcast for another day. Maybe not. Uh, Maybe not.
1: (laughs) Could be a rabbit trail in this one. You never know.
0: But today I want us to find out what he was
1: doing. We know why he went and into the wilderness, but what was he doing in the wilderness? Yes, that's a great question. So we're going to read in Matthew today, as you said, the parallel passage from Luke. Okay. Um, so why don't, you, why, don't you, why don't you pick up Matthew 3.3 3, if you're following along. If not, you can listen. So Matthew 3.3. 3. Again, I'll stop you um, as we go along. Okay, Matthew 3.3. 3. Yep. For he is the one
0: spoken of through the prophet Isaiah who said, A voice of one crying out in the wilderness... Prepare the way of the
1: Lord. Make his paths
0: straight. Okay, let's
1: stop there. Okay. The, the, we talk about this a lot in, in the Bible. We talk about keshers, mm-hmm. connections, or remezes, okay? Our friend Marty Solomon calls them remezes. That's because his rabbi taught him that way. I call them keshers because Dwight, uh, the guy p- p- guy who mentored me, uh, taught me that way. Uh, it's the same thing. It's basically a Velcro, sticky, uh, one side of a sticky side of a Velcro uh, in the New Testament, and the other sticky side of the Velcro is in the Old Testament. And if you had the ability to connect the old and new, the connections would be amazing. Like, you, if, you, if this was
0: online, this would be a hyperlink I could click on, and it would take me back
1: to Isaiah. Yes, exactly right. Isaiah, exactly. That's a great example. So if you click your mouse, if we had the ability to have a, have a digital Bible that could do this, you'd click your mouse on verse three, a voice of one crying in the wilderness. And now this one's easy because it's bold. And it says, through the prophet Isaiah. Yeah, yeah, that's, a, that's a pretty easy <laughs> remez right there. What we're trying to find in this podcast are those that are not so easy no, I and could, obvious. No, I could
0: even get this I think one.
1: you could get that one, yeah. So <laughs> this is a direct quotation from Isaiah 43. Now, why is this important? Because you have to understand the culture of the Essenes. Okay. The Essenes were also, this is interesting to think about, not only was John a priest, mm-hmm. but most, if not all, of the Essenes were former priests. Did you know this? they're like they were in a lineage of priests yes they had hmm. right and um responsibility in the temple hmm. and they had bypassed that because of the corruption and they had gone out years earlier than john to start this community that was actually defying the corruption of the priesthood. Hmm. So we talked about John being an Essene. I have a couple reasons to believe maybe he could have been a part of that. Uh, he definitely borrowed some things from the Essenes. That's a former podcast, you can go back and listen, was Jesus an Essene, mm-hmm. was the title. Mm-hmm. But that's what we're gonna talk about now. Here's what we're gonna talk about. We're gonna talk about the connection that is not so obvious, and that is from Malachi. Mm-hmm. So go with me back to Malachi chapter four, And what we're going to do is look at this connection. And remember, this is the final words from the prophet Malachi, spoken by God 400 years before this word by John, this prophetic word by John is spoken. And these are the words ringing on the ears of the people. Malachi chapter four, four through six. Let's read that. It says, remember the instruction of Moses, my servant,
0: The statutes and ordinances I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Look, I'm going to send you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse.
1: Okay, this is so good. So turning is a key. The word turn in Hebrew is the word teshuva to turn around, to turn back, okay, to shuv in Hebrew. It's also where we get the English word, repentance. Mm. So when you turn back to someone, okay, if you and Stephanie get into an argument, and um, and this probably never happens to never. you, but it happens to me, it never, never happens to you, but if you have to uh, ask for forgiveness or you have to make it right for saying something, you have to turn around from your selfish, wicked ways, of yeah. my way high, and you say, hey, I want to confess this to you. Would you forgive me? Yeah. That's Now, that, that does happen. That happened. Yeah, I figured that Yeah, it happens. happens in my home, too. But uh, that's what turns. So what he says is this prophet is going to come, okay, and he's going to turn fathers to, to sons and sons to fathers, which is a picture of repentance, which we have a clue in John's life, John the Baptist. But he's also going to be the prophet Elijah, and that's kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. Go back to Matthew. Watch this. Okay. Go back to Matthew.
0: I was confused about that and was hoping you would address it. Yeah, because
1: Elijah's gone, obviously. He went in a flaming chariot. And and this is John. This This is John. This is not Elijah. This is John. One more thing about the Essenes you need to understand. The reason they went to the wilderness or the desert, prepare Mm -hmm. the way of the Lord by a voice crying in the wilderness. They actually believed, if you would ask them, if they were here today, you would say, why did you go to the physical desert? Why did you go to the heat? Why did you set up an outpost in the Qumran next to a body of water that you cannot drink, Hmm. the Dead Sea. Mm -hmm. It was like a constant tease, it was a constant temptation of this body of water in an arid desert they couldn't drink because it was filled with salt. The reason is this, they believed and took Isaiah 40 verse three physically. They took it um, literally, sorry, literally. And here's what they thought, if we go to the desert, That is our bodies preparing the way of the Lord, and we will see the glory of God. Almost as if they could force God's hand, or not
0: force God's hand, but they could bring it to be.
1: Yeah, it was their responsibility with God's sovereignty. Now, the crazy and the saddest part of the entire community of the Essenes is that they were around during the time of Jesus There's even, I mean, Jesus comes to John, so he's right there. You have to believe at least some people heard or knew about him, and yet they don't believe. Wow. Which is really sad. Okay, what about this Elijah bit? Well, what John's about to show us is that if he were asked to go to a Halloween party, which he wouldn't have been, but if he were, and he were to dress up as a Halloween character, Mm -hmm. John is showing up as Elijah. What? Now, how do I know that?
0: I don't know. Okay,
1: let's go to verse four, okay. and we're going to see this costume that John is wearing on the, on the shoreline of the river, and we're going to see what John's doing. So let's just read his outfit. Outfit, I want you to picture this with your, with your mind. Okay. Now, John had a
0: camel hair garment with a leather belt around his waist, and his food
1: was locust and wild honey. Okay, now here's the picture. He is... <laughs> As I'm saying this, turn to 2 Kings one five. This is the this is the connection. Elijah is standing. I mean Elijah. John the Baptist is standing on the shoreline by the water, and he's dressed up in camel hair. He's got a leather belt around him. He's eating locust and wild honey. I believe John would have been a man who likes sushi. <laughs> Probably been a sushi connoisseur. You you eat locust sushi? No, but I mean I think where's the threshold when you cross like the line of well, crawfish. I mean, I guess you're right. Is yeah. that a water locust? <laughs> the, the, okay, you got a great point. Robert Shagan has said, you got they a great point. They do call them mud bugs. That's true. So I guess once you crawfish, you could pretty much eat anything, yeah. what's, anything. What's the difference? Yeah, yeah. Or nutria. Nutria. <laughs> you know, they can eat nutria, the big rat in the swamp. I've never eaten nutria for the record. Do <laughs> you know what a nutria is?
0: I have heard the Cajuns on our staff talk about them, yeah. and I picture a giant rat from like, Mutant ninja turtles. That, no, ninja no, no, mutant no, that
1: is turtles. exactly what it looks like. And for the record, Tim LaFleur on our staff has eaten nutri no. gumbo. No, that's true. He'll tell you that too. Nutrient gumbo. Yeah. Okay. Let's read. Okay. Second, Second Kings chapter one, verse five through eight. I want you to notice the outfit. Okay. That Elijah's wearing. Okay. Starting in verse five.
0: The messengers returned to the king who asked them, Why have you come back? They replied, A man came to meet us and said, Go back to the king who sent you and declare to him, This is what the Lord says, is it because there is no God in Israel that you're sending these men to inquire of Baal, the God of Ekron, therefore you will not get up from your sick bed. You will certainly die. Okay, here we go. The king asked them, what sort of man came up to meet you and spoke those words to you? What kind of man is this? What does he look like? Okay, Mm -hmm. here we go. Okay, verse eight. They replied, a hairy man with a leather belt around his waist. Okay, let's stop
1: there. So, he's got a man with hair all over. Him. It reminds you of Jacob and Esau. Uh-huh. When Jacob puts the hair on him, you remember it to dress mm-hmm, up. Mm-hmm. How does Jacob put the hair on him?
0: He he covers his arm with uh, goat skin with an animal
1: skin. Yeah. So here's Elijah taking a cue from that. Okay. He takes the the skin of a camel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He wraps his body. I mean, you gotta figure it out. Picture this. This is a this is a costume. He's wearing a costume on the shore, Like you, it's like a man walking around uh the main street of Disney World with a uh, a flashing light above his head with an arrow pointing saying, I'm Elijah. I'm Elijah, like down Main Street. And everybody's like, okay, I think that's Elijah right there. This is exactly what's happening here. So his whole body's covered covered in camel hair. He decides to. Keep it all up with a leather belt of all things. Keep reading. I mean, it's obvious that the king knows who they're talking
0: about because the next words in verse eight are, he replied, it's
1: Elijah, the Tishbite. That's it, okay. So he knows that kind of weird, out of character outfit can only be Elijah. But here's the thing. The Bible writers know we're a little slow with trying to figure out who this is. Mm. So they're gonna give us another clue or two. So there's no question in our mind, this is Elijah, okay? So what we're gonna study right now, which is gonna, and we're gonna pick this up after the break, John the Baptist is going to baptize in his ministry from three locations. Mm. Three different locations John's gonna baptize. Mm. And what's gonna happen is this, we're gonna see I don't want to give it away. Okay, after After the break, break, you're going to see the significance of these three places in John's life and Elijah's life. I can't wait. Are you struggling with the fatigue of ministry post-COVID? Have you experienced some fruit but hit a plateau in your life or even your church? Could you benefit from a group of like-minded leaders who can help you achieve your God-given potential? Being a church leader is more challenging today than it has ever been and the pandemic hasn't made it any easier to lead. We now have a whole new set of problems to deal with as church leaders that will require new solutions. With this in mind, we developed the Replicate Collective. This is a close-knit group of church leaders who want to help you and your church unleash your God-given potential. Members of the collective will interact with premier church leaders, men like Will Mancini, David Platt, Pete Scazzaro, and many others. Members of the collective create catalytic clarity for their church and personal lives. They participate in weekly huddles with like-minded church leaders, and you'll get personal coaching from me and the Replicate team. If you're interested in applying to join the collective or simply want to find out more, head over to ReplicateCollective.com, ReplicateCollective.com. We have limited spots, so you want to check it out today. And we're back
0: we are talking about a wild man in the wilderness and his message. Uh, we have discovered that he is wearing the same thing that Elijah wore in Second Kings, uh, and that was that chapter one or Second Kings one, yeah, oh, yeah. Second right Kings one. Second right Kings one, yeah. Uh, so th- it was very obvious, and you said that not only was his outfit a clue, but where he was baptizing.
1: Was a clue? Why? Why is that a clue? Yes, yes. Because remember, geography is important. Mm -hmm. Um, Studying maps, as much as we don't want to do this, I'm just Mm -hmm. telling you, geography is your friend. Is this why they're in the back of most of our Bibles? Yes, and this is the reason why most people don't ever turn to them. I mean, it's there's there's a wealth of resources in the back of your Bible. So, and in fact, we're going to use those right now. Believe it or not, I hope I have the map. Well, you're probably going to have to read, so you're not going to oh, be to look okay. at math, but okay. Okay. You, you, you can uh, confirm if you're, if you're studying at home. Okay, so John is going to baptize people In three different locations. In fact, to save time, I'm going to give you the references. Okay. You're just going to have to trust me. Okay. And you're going to have to look them up later. Okay. But I'm going to give you the references and the cities to prove the point. Okay. Okay. The first place John we find baptizing is John chapter one verse twenty-eight. Okay. And you can read that. You can read these, but I'll give you the cross references to look up. Okay. John chapter one verse twenty-eight is where we first find John baptizing. John, the gospel writer, is commenting on John the baptizer or a mercer, if you will, John, the dunker,
0: you John, the
1: dunker, John, the dunker. I,
0: I might've gone with that,
1: that name. I like dunker too, but I'm a basketball guy. So <laughs> John, so the dunker, you
0: want me to read John one just
1: read John 1-28. Oh, one 28, 1-28. just 1-28. read this for us. And I want you to see what town he's baptizing in, or what area it says, all this happened in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. Okay. Why is that important? I don't know. Okay. Because if you make the cross-reference, which here is the cross-reference, 1 Kings, if you're writing down, you can write this down, 1 Kings 17, again, we don't have a lot of time to look this up, 1 Kings 17, and if you go to 1 Kings 17, what you'll see is that Elijah announces the famine, okay, this Mm -hmm. is that passage, Mm -hmm. and what you're going to find is this is a... Major event in the life of Elijah, 1 Kings 17, five through seven. Where does it take place? In the Bethany, wow. beyond the Jordan, okay. okay? The second event where John is going to baptize is John chapter three, verse 23, okay? okay. And these are not in any kind of, uh, these next two are not in any chronological order, they're just events. You're okay. just
0: telling us the four places. Yeah, because
1: well, the Bible tells us John baptized in three places. Hmm. Okay, John 3, 23, what I want you to do is I want you to just read that, and I want you to read where this happens.
0: Okay. John also was baptizing in Anon near Siloam because there was plenty of water there.
1: Ooh. Pe-
0: people were coming
1: and being baptized there. Okay. First Kings 19. Now, this is one people should know. Okay. You know 1 Kings 19? Uh, off the
0: top of my head, I cannot say that I do.
1: Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a
0: good answer. But with the
1: people then. Let me tell you what First Kings 18 was. Okay. Elijah calling fire on Mount Carmel. Ooh, you I know that one. That. First King 19, Elijah is on the run. Okay. Okay. From Jezebel and Ahab. You remember this. Mm-hmm. And what mm-hmm. happens is it says, eight miles from where Elijah grew up and commissioned Elisha. Mm. Okay. So we pick up 1919, which mm-hmm. is after this, he's going to commission Elisha. Mm-hmm. And the place mm-hmm. he commissions him is Anon near Salem. Mm. Interesting. Same exact place as John three twenty-three. Same region. If you look on a map, okay. But the one that's interesting is Matthew three uh, one. Matthew three one, and we'll quickly just look at this one. Matthew three one is basically the one we just read. Okay. Okay. And uh, read that just again. Matthew three one will give us the the idea. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Okay, this is the final encounter with Elijah and Elisha. Second Kings chapter two, just for those taking notes, verse 11, in second Kings chapter two, verse 11, we see this amazing chariot of fire. Remember this? Yeah, do. comes down and takes him in the whirlwind, takes him up to be with him. And the question we have to ask is, where is the geography of this taking place? And the geography is exactly in the wilderness of Judea. Ooh. Now, why why is that important? Because the major events, the commissioning of Elisha, the 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 chariot in the sky. Um, the 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 first King 17 passage, when we see the famine and the announce, all of those encounters happen at the three places that John the... So it's almost like John saying, all right, I'm going to set up a shop. I'm going to set up post. It also shows us another thing. Mm. John knows the story. Mm. John knows the Old Testament well. Mm. It's almost like he's like carrying out the actions of Elijah. It's like he's got a playbook. And he's going to stand on certain areas that Elijah uh, went to. Now, can I ask you a question? Okay, go ahead. So
0: I'm hearing these and making connections for the very first time. Yeah. But catches you off guard. Yeah, well, it does. And it brings entirely new meaning to um, John's ministry and his message. Yeah. What I'm wondering is would the people that he's preaching to? Would they have made these connections just by him being there? Um, would it be like? Yeah, it's a good question. I know American history, and so if something was happening in Gettysburg, yeah. I immediately think back to the Civil War. Yeah. Would when John is preaching in this place where the chariot of fire took place, would yeah. the people know that story enough to go, "Oh, this is where that
1: happened"? Uh, the answer is yes. Okay, mm-hmm. here's why. Here's why I believe that. If I take you, not to use the same example, but if I take you to Disney World, Mm -hmm. and I get up and dress like a mouse, Mm -hmm. okay, and you come into the place, and the people start coming in, and here I am outside dressed with a mouse hat, right away you know that I'm dressed up as Mickey Mickey Mouse in Disney World. Yeah. Now, I'm not Mickey Mouse, but you're going to say... They're, they're, so he's trying to tell me something. And mm-hmm. I know I'm in, I'm in, I know I'm in Florida. Mm-hmm. I know I'm in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I know it's in Orlando. It's, mm-hmm. the, it's the place where dreams are made. Mm-hmm. It's the place where you have fun with your kids, you know? So I think, yes, now I'll prove it to you. Remember when Jesus goes to Caesarea Philippi, we'll pick this up in many months, but boy, this is one of my favorites. He takes the disciples on a short-term mission trip, 28 miles north of the Galilee to an unforbidden place. It'd be like taking the- the the, forbidden place? A a forbidden place. Not an unforbidden. A forbidden (laughs) place, yeah. It'd be like taking uh, your 12 closest friends who are um, faithful- Christian. Christian seminary guys to a day to Bourbon Street, right? Ah, mama. Wait, we actually used to do that in evangelism, but it's not probably the best thing. But you go to this place these Jewish boys were forbidden. You shouldn't be there. Yeah, because it was a dirty place. It was filled with paganism, okay? And what Jesus asked those guys are two questions, remember? Number one, well, the second question is, who do you think I am? Mm-hmm. But the first question is, who do people say mm-hmm. that I am? Mm-hmm. Now, what they're saying is reporting what they're hearing. And the very first thing is, some say you're Elijah. Mm-hmm. Now, they got that because Herod himself said the same thing about John, Mm. remember? What is Elijah doing here? What is Elijah doing back? So even Herod, a Jewish pagan king, Herod has Jewish lineage, but he's pagan. Mm. Even Herod, it shows you he knew what was going on. Now, whether they believed he was Elijah, whether they acquiesced to the message of Elijah is a different story. And remember, there's so many facets to them bowing down now let's finish with two things I want to leave us with and then next week we got so much more about John one more thing about Elijah and John the Baptist that's a connection and then we'll close with this one the similarities between Elijah and John the Baptist there's a couple I'm gonna give you four of them number one is this John the Baptist and Elijah both had passion Hmm. these were men in the Jewish culture that had chutzpah passion like Abraham like Noah they were passionate guys number two they were surrounded by fire Mm -hmm. Think about that. Mm -hmm. Elijah on Mount Carmel, Elijah in the chariot of fire, John the Baptist preaching a message of repentance, and Jesus will baptize you with water and fire. Mm -hmm. Number three, they both were battlers. They both stood up to the religious leaders Mm -hmm. of their day. Mm -hmm. They had passion and and, uh, they had boldness, okay? Mm -hmm. And then finally, uh, John was the same way and wanted to exercise the same actions As Elijah, So when Elijah's going to certain places, John's going to him. When Elijah's preaching certain things, uh, John's doing them as well. And as we'll see next week, we're gonna talk about the difference between John's baptism and the baptism of ritual Mm -hmm. Phariseeism, or the Pharisees and Sadducees. This is a totally different kind of baptism. Mm -hmm. And so what we're gonna see is one baptism was for a certain thing, one was for another, and then we're gonna ask the question, which one is closer to the Essenes.
0: I can't wait for that and how that applies to our lives today and maybe even how we practice baptism today. Uh, If you're enjoying these podcasts, do us a favor, share it with someone um, that you think would also benefit from this discussion, and give us a like on whatever platform you listen to. You can help get the word out about the podcast. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next week.